now you have a great teacher here. This is Paul uh, Bowden. He's part, part of the teaching team here, a pastoral care team, and he does all of the premarital counseling. Him and his wife, amazing couple. He has a, a teaching gift, and so we receive him today. Put your hands together for uh, Brother Paul as he comes to share. Wow, thank you. How's everyone doing? Awesome day, isn't it? Yeah, well, my name is Paul Bowden, and um, I am on the speaking team, the um, pastoral care team, like you said, and a couple others, and I've uh, been a member here for about nine years, nine, ten years, somewhere around that, uh, and I've, I think I've spoken like this probably, I don't know, maybe a little bit more than five times, a little bit less than ten maybe, but my mouth still gets dry, my face still gets red, so please bear with me, we'll get through it <laughs> together. I'll need uh, some encouragement at times, possibly. So, uh, and as I was preparing, uh, I was really at a loss, uh, you know, Stacy mentioned that too, and really because I had a couple ideas, a couple avenues that I thought would be appropriate, but as things unfolded in the nation and what we're going through, uh, I just thought, well, they're really not re relevant anymore. How do, how do I become or stay relevant with what's going on? So I remember growing up, that's my grandson, so he can make all the noise he wants. <laughs> I remember growing up uh, and learning about history, the 60s and 70s, all the race riots, all the, um, you know, the Vietnam protests, everything else that was going on, Watergate, um, Woodstock, and all that. But really, 2020, um, I mean, has everything over all of that stuff, right? Because it's, I mean, there's so much going on. It's so condensed, um, and we, we really have a lot going on. So I think what we'll do is pray, and we'll get, uh, get right into it and see what we've got in store. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for the ability to get together, and we thank you for that quite often, but we never really, Lord, thought that it would be infringed on. So we thank you for that right that you've given us, and we thank you that you are here in our midst. We open our hearts to your message today, our minds, and we ask that you would be in the midst of those as well. And we thank you for your presence here today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And we have a Facebook uh, crowd. We have a, a crew that's joining us on Facebook, so uh, let's welcome them. We thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we have a, a full house, so God is good. All right, so I'm going to set the stage a little bit uh, and kind of just go over why we're here, why, why we're here in 2020, what's going on. And it started, I'll start even way back at, at the election uh, at 2016, and they thought that there was some kind of a Russian uh, collusion, Russian interference with the election. Uh, we were going to cause a war with North Korea. There was a, the uh, FISA court documents that were falsified. Uh, they spied on our president. There was the Mueller investigation, right? I mean, it goes on and on. And then at the end of 2019, our president was um, uh, impeached, yeah. <laughs> so, and then to start 2020, I said all that, to start 2020, uh, the U.S. Senate um, acquitted him on all impeachment charges. Uh, so that was all very interesting. Then we had the Wuhan China virus. Everybody's working from home, right? We all, uh, or I had a new uniform. I, I liked my uniform, but 
We all had to learn how to use team meetings, Zoom calls, and technology and different things. And uh, we only showed ourselves from the waist up, right? So the uniform for me was a dress shirt and sweatpants for a long time. And then when it heated up, it was a dress shirt and shorts. <coughs> and a dress shirt and PJs was my favorite. Um, and nobody could get a haircut for a long time, remember that? Everybody had really long hair. We looked kind of funny. But <clears throat> And then the riots started just in time for summer. Most of our major issue, or cities had issues, uh, Minneapolis included. Uh, Portland had 104, I think it was, uh, consecutive nights of rioting. Uh, every time you turned the TV on, it seemed like another city was on fire, another police precinct was taken over. Uh, more looting and different things, and you just kind of get a little bit numb to it after a while. You just, oh, another city on fire, hmm. What else is new? We learned acronyms like BLM, Antifa, others, moveon.org, defund the police, George Soros. We learned a lot about all that. Uh, we got a new Supreme Court justice, right? Yeah. Amy Coney Barrett, ACB, she replaced RBG. <laughs> and. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I thought was interesting, um, as she died, she proclaimed that she'd really rather not be uh, replaced by the current president, and uh, said it was her fervent wish. Um, Matt Getz from Florida, a, a U.S. representative, said, I'm sorry there's no fervent wish provision in the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> And uh, he said, our, our president has every right to nominate a candidate, and he did, and she was confirmed. Uh, social media heads were brought to uh, the, the U.S. Senate uh, for censorship. The U.S. Senate Commerce Committee is where they had to, to, to talk, I guess, and defend themselves for censoring con the conservative point of view. Mainstream media is in the bag for one political party uh, to the exclusion of another and sometimes to the exclusion of the truth, unfortunately. Uh, and then, of course, we had the election, and we're still dealing with that. That's ongoing, right? Um, and you might say, uh, wait a minute, Paul, that's, that's politics. We're not supposed to talk politics in church, right? But that's a problem, because this is culture. This, these things are happening in our culture. And if the church is not involved in culture, we shouldn't be surprised that it's going to hell in a handbag, right? So what is the church's position? What is the church's view? Uh, where is the body of Christ as a whole in the United States on all of, all of these things? Um, and in 2020, you know, we've got a lot of challenges, uh, especially personal. My heart just breaks for the personal challenges that are going on out there. Uh, my wife and I went through uh, challenges in 08 in the real estate market bubble in the crash. Uh, we were both in real estate at that time, and that was, that was very painful. So we, we can feel uh, what some people are going through. Um, marriages are uh, just being attacked. The enemy is an, on an all-out assault on marriages. Jobs are upside down. Finances upside down. Many uh, similar to the 08 housing crisis. Isolation is an issue, right? Um, not being able to see loved ones. Even people in the hospital can't get visited. Um, nursing home um, people can't get, uh, can't get visited. They can't see their, their loved ones on their birthday or what have you, or even 
uh, sometimes on their deathbed. So because of that isolation, we see a sharp increase in depression, suicide, right, domestic violence, drug abuse. So those are some of the things that are happening as a result of that isolation. Um, culture, we have such a culture of fear right now. Uh, it's really, really sad. And unfortunately, we as a whole seem to be like uh, sheeple, we'll call them. Yeah. Right? We just follow blindly whatever, whatever someone tells us, we'll do it because it's for our good, right? Like we can't decide what's for our good. But we have a herd-like follower mentality. It's just a fact. Uh, a lot of that's driven by the media. We don't question things anymore. Uh, the media certainly doesn't seek the truth, seemingly, and, and so we've, we've advocated some of that to them, unfortunately. But our nation, it's almost like we're under a hostile takeover. There have been, some could call them coup attempts. One, uh, you know, it might be happening right now. But Pastor Mike mentioned a spirit of deception. We are being attacked by a lying spirit of deception. And we can't allow it. It's an antichrist spirit. And we need to realize that, as Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where our battle is. So I hope we have time to get into that a little bit more. But the church is faced with a lot of, a lot of challenges, and, and so are its people. Uh, and every time we, we're faced with a challenge, we have a decision to make, right? We are either going to press in, we're either going to love the truth, and I'm going to talk about the truth a little bit. Uh, we're going to press into, um, I call it a herd, but I think it's a flock, right? The flock, because we all have gifts and talents designed to serve each other. Yeah. So are we going to press into those? Are we going to look to our shepherd for answers? Or are we going to fall away? Are we going to fall back? Are we going to withdraw? Are we going to isolate ourselves? Um, and really, that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to isolate us from the herd. That's how he attacks. He wants to take us out. I mean, it's, yeah. it's for real. All right, I think I have another slide here. Yes, faith in challenging times. Now, I'm just going to buzz through a, a couple ideas here. This could be a whole other hour talk, how to engage your faith when you're being challenged. Uh, and it's key. And, and the first one is uh, learn God's will. We need to understand what God's will is so that we can believe it, we can speak it, and we can act on it. And in Matthew 6.10, the Lord uh, Jesus taught us to pray. And in that prayer, he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We're to pray his will that, that is done in heaven be done on the earth. So we want his operating system, to use a computer term. We want the way his, his kingdom operates to operate here on earth. Right? So we need to know what that is. We need to know what his will is. Just We need to pray and ask. Uh, we need to pray in faith, believing, not wishy-washy prayers that, oh, Lord, would you please if it's your will. Um, we need to be on the attack, on the move, and pray in faith. And I would just recommend praying in tongues. Uh, Pastor Mike has, has done a lot of work on praying in tongues and a lot of speaking on it. Uh, we have information 
uh, why tongues? Uh, I'll just give you a real quick testimony for me. I know that when I'm in the practice of doing that in, in the morning in my prayer closet, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when I, when I come to a challenge during the day that normally I wouldn't have the answer for, all of a sudden I find a key in my hand or a key comes to mind on how to unlock that, that situation. So I would just, yeah, thank you. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that, that feel the same way. And it's the Holy Spirit praying God's will. God the Holy Spirit knows God the Father, right? Yeah. He knows God's will. So if we allow him to pray that through us, uh, you know, his will will, will become evident. Uh, Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Amen. Um, you can also fast, get counsel, press in uh, to the flock and to their gifts, uh, read the word. Next is believe. And I'm going to pick it up here. Believe that you have his will. Once you hear it, believe that you have it. And uh, then you can act on it. For 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God are in him, yes and amen, to the glory of God through us. So we know when we go to his word and find a promise that, that pertains to us, then we know that, that we can believe that. Um, 2 Peter 1, 3-4 says, As his divine power has given to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness, which have been given to us ex, uh, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. How would you like to be a partaker of a divine nature? <laughs> grab a hold of a promise. Grab a hold of his will. Um, and then we speak it. David said, I believed, therefore I spoke. And Mark eleven twenty three 23 tells us to believe and speak, even say to the mountain, believe that you receive it and speak it. Um, a man's stomach, Proverbs eighteen twenty says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. And we know that we also overcome the, the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, Rev, Revelation 12, 11. Right? So we need to speak and testify. We need to receive it and then act. And when, when we're expecting the baby, we act, right? We get the nursery ready. And I know that's our language because we've had about 186 babies born in the last six months in this, in this church. So when we know it's coming, when we're told this is what the will is, we get the nursery ready. We move, we act. All right. And then we fight. Might be a little behind. We fight. We fight for it. We contend for what we know God's will is to be in these situations. And there will be opposition. There is an enemy. Um, sometimes we wonder, you know, God told me this was going to happen. I really believe this is his will. What's taking so long? Uh, sometimes the timing may not be right, but sometimes there's an enemy and he's coming against us. We see that in Daniel 10. Um, and, you know, I look at it this way. The Vikings are playing today. They have a coach, right? The coach has a will. 
The coach has a will or a play that he wants his team to execute. Uh, <clears throat> so the team takes the, the will of the coach and they try to execute it, but what's on the other side of the ball? They have another team, right? That's, that's the opposition. That's their enemy, so to speak. Um, and, and here's some encouragement that Paul gave to Timothy. When we find out what God's will is for our life, and Paul talks about uh, a prophecy over Timothy, he said in uh, 1 Timothy 1.18, he says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, or according to the will of God on your life, uh, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So when we get that in our hand, we know what it is. Uh, we can go to war with it and fight. And the last one uh, that I'll talk about real quick is to celebrate. And it is sometimes very difficult to celebrate the victory before you see it, isn't it? I know it's hard. That's why they call it a fight of faith. That's part of the fight. We need to celebrate the victory. When God tells us that the victory is for us, we need to celebrate it before we get there. And I'll go one step further. I think there's a blessing for us when we do that. I think there's a blessing for us when we celebrate the victory that God says is ours before we see it. And uh, Jesus told Thomas, he said this in John 20, 29, he said, blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. I just believe there's a blessing for those who, who believe and contend for God's will in their life. So why does 2020 look like it does? There are many trusted Christian leaders today that say that we're in the end times, we're in the last days. I don't know, I haven't studied it enough to really make a judgment, but if you look and see what's going on out there, I think it makes sense that, you know, we're, we gotta be close. There's a lot of things going on that the Bible predicted. Some even say that we're in the, the final hours of the last days, um, and, and I'm not sure, but let's look, let's look at what Scripture says. Um, we have the first slide here, 2 Timothy 3.1 says, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. That's the Passion Translation. So I have a question that I've been asking myself. I'll just pose it to you. You can answer it or not. Um, don't, don't shout the messenger down, but it, like I said, it's a question. So today, right, there's a mask mandate. We're being asked, we're being mandated to wear this mask. In fact, there are some places we can't go to buy uh, or sell merchandise, right, unless we wear the mask. So I'm wondering if we are being led, remember we, um, we battle against the spiritual forces in the heavenly places, right? So I'm wondering if there's some kind of a, a leading of us into the wearing a mask, and then I'm, I'm wondering, well, what's the next step? If we play the movie forward, yeah. what, what are we going to be asked to do next or not be able to buy things? Is it a vaccine mandate? I don't know. I'm asking a question. Is it possible that they say, you know, you need to have this vaccine or we're not allowing you into um, any place? Or you need to carry this card or there's proof that the vaccine went into your body. We'll just scan that, you know, and, and is that a thing? I don't know. 
Um, but what would be the next step then? Is it possibly some other kind of mark, right? I don't think the church will be here for that, but can you see how it's possible that we're just being conditioned to follow? We're, we're being conditioned to be sheeple and to just follow uh, along. Now, so where, where do we as free people uh, draw the line? Where do we say, no, this is as far as I'm going. This is, I'm, I'm not letting you push me any farther than this. Um, and I think as a free independent person, each one of you have every right to draw that line wherever you see fit. Um, so I'll move on. <laughs> what about love? I had a friend of mine say, what about love? You know, if, if you're with someone that is in a high risk, um, um, a high risk area, um, don't you think you should wear a mask? And I think absolutely. If I'm in some, some kind of a situation like that, I want to do that or make some other kind of arrangement so that someone is protected. I'm, I'm, I'm not going through this with my eyes closed or my head completely down, just barging through. I mean, we need to protect each other too. Uh, but I don't know that I'm willing to shut down an entire economy so that people are isolated again, right? People are losing jobs and uh, for, for what purpose? I don't know. Next one, 1 Timothy 4, 1, again from the Passion, Passion Translation. The Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed at the end of the age, many will depart from the true faith one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelations and theories. Hypocritical liars will deceive many, and their consciences won't bother them at all. Another version says that their consciences will be seared by a hot iron. I'm going to skip that one for time. Second uh, Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12 in the King James, New King James, says the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, and that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So that's the key of the truth. We need to believe the truth, Stand on the truth. We need to know what the truth says so that we're not isolated and uh, attacked. Uh, later in that same chapter, Paul says, um, God, always for you, brethren, be loved by the Lord because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit of belief in the truth. He later says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions, which means meet and gather, right? Gather together, which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. So earlier in, this, in that chapter, the, the lawless one is mentioned, the Antichrist spirit, um, and that he will be active on the earth before, before he is really revealed in person. And uh, this is a, a spirit that we're seeing operate in our culture right now, I believe. It's a lying spirit of deception. So I just want to talk about how we, the church, 
have been deceived over the years and allowed our culture uh, to have a negative influence on us. Um, you know, God, God founded this country so that, uh, you know, he could bless us. We'd be a partner with Israel. We, we send more missionaries to the, or to the world than anyone else, any other country by far. Um, I don't have the statistics, but I know we, we uh, send more funds also to the world by far more than any other, uh, any other nation. And we should have, I believe, the ability to affect our culture because we're protected. We're a protected class. Uh, and we should be able to speak into our culture. We have the re religious freedom that we need to do exactly that. So what happened to us? Why, why are we ineffective right now on, on our society? Or why is it diminished? And so here's how our, our culture has crept into the body, I believe. Did you know that uh, most Ivy League colleges and a lot of other colleges were set up, were established, so that they could either be seminaries or they were um, very tied into religious denominations and were established primarily to train ministers to spread the gospel of Jesus? Now you can't even have a conservative speaker on campus, let alone a Christian conservative speaker like a Charlie Kirk or um, a Ben Shapiro. What, what they'll do, and they've done this no, a number of times, is they'll riot. They'll burn things. They'll wreck property until that, uh, until that invitation to speak has been rescinded. Uh, <coughs> abortion, 1973, Roe v. Wade was passed. I sincerely believe that that will be overturned in very short order. I think God is on the move there. We're doing what we need to do. Um, and, and I really believe our president has positioned us uh, in order to take that step. But did you know that there's a new abortion uh, view that I just learned about a few weeks ago? It's, it's like a pro-life stance. Um, and they claim that we're, or I, am pro-birth because I want every baby to be born. Um, but the pro-life, uh, pro-lifers, no, the pro, uh, it even confuses me. I, I don't really get it. But they have, they're, they're saying that if there's not the ability to have a certain quality of life for that little one, um, and what quality of life, who gets to choose that? Yeah. Obviously, they do. So if, if there's not the quality of life that they deem necessary, then if that baby is less than 24 weeks old, you can kill it. And that is from, uh, that's a pretty predominant view that's growing right now um, in uh, church-going people. And it's really unfortunate. So we need to speak against it. It's, um, yeah, I, I can't say anymore. Uh, prayer in schools was taken away. We used to have the Ten Commandments hanging in classrooms. That was taken, uh, and we allowed it. Uh, there's so much gender confusion right now. Schools and teachers can't even say boys and girls a lot of times anymore. Can't say boys and girls. And I was a teacher in the late 90s. You can't say boys and girls. It's time to line up. We're going to go to lunch. You can't say that in some areas. Um, which is sad. Um, and there's, you know, the word says that God made them what? Male and female, right? So 
So we need to say things like that. Um, you know, now, unfortunately, it's, it's school is a place where the secular culture, um, you know, they can, they can feed our kids with all kinds of agenda and social ideals that they want to teach. Um, and here's the sad part. The society has caused or influenced so many churches to close down, voluntarily even. And that, that just blows my mind. Um, I can almost understand how the government would want to do it. Um, and the California governor, Gavin Newsom, and he's, he's being known now as not Governor Newsom, but Governor Mussolini in, in California. Uh, he continues to threaten and charge pastors with crimes, fines, jail time even. But we have the First Amendment, right? Uh, the First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And it's not even a crime in this area to meet. What we're doing is not against any mandate. And unfortunately, some pastors have volunteered to close. Now, I'm not judging them. Uh, They're you know, held to a higher standard. All I'm doing is I'm looking at the truth and I'm going, hmm, the truth says let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as it is a manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So much more. We need to gather so much more as we see the day approaching, not forfeit voluntarily um, our right to do this. Um, there are well-known pastors, national big church pastors that are uh, that have closed. In fact, they closed uh, way back in the middle of this year, middle of 2020. Um, and they say that they're doing it because they love their neighbor. That's how they're showing love to their neighbor. Well, we've already talked about isolation and what it does, and the enemy comes in and separates us, and then we have all of the unintended consequences, suicides and abuse and things. And I just want to tell you, church, that the enemy wants to do that. He, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If you can think of a lion maybe that you've seen on safari or on the TV, I haven't been to Africa, but you know they look at the weakest gazelle or whatever it is in the herd, right? And they want to separate them. So he walks around like that. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy only. That's what he wants to do. He does not fight fair. And he plays for keeps forever, for good. So we cannot allow ourselves to be isolated. We need to meet together. We need to be in the word. We need to know what the word says. We need to affect change. The church, the body of Christ, needs to affect change. The biggest cultural issue right now that we face is the recent elections. There are a lot of questions surrounding the election, and the church can't lay down and just let society, uh, let culture roll over us. We can't allow it to happen. So if half or more of the people don't believe that, uh, that the whole process is fair or it works, we're going to have a big problem just keeping our republic together. Um, it's my hope and prayer that the truth is revealed so we can keep our trust in, in the election process. We need free and fair elections. And if, if there is 
proven voting official, election official fraud uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, something will need to be fixed. Something will need to be fixed so we can preserve our election process. And I just want to remind us, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against these election officials, the other party that, you know, we don't agree with. We don't wrestle with people. We wrestle against the principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where our battle is. That's where we need to fight. And we fight on our knees. We fight up here at the altar. That's how we affect change, is prayer. That's the church's battle. So I have one more section here. I'll talk about it real quick, and then we'll close. This is the church affecting culture. How do we do this, right? I, I used to ask myself this. Well, I'm only one person. I'd love to do something. I don't know what. Um, I think part of it is stirring each other up as we see the day approaching, right? So what we need to do is in our local church, right here, the local churches in the area, all around the region, we need to have representation and be involved in and have influence in all of the following areas. One is the local church. And the first thing I believe the, the church in America needs to do is practice 2 Chronicles 7.14, and that's if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, which is repent, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Do we need healing? Yes, we do. So that, I think, is step one. We need to serve. We need to develop the gifts and talents that God has given us. Plug into your local church. Plug into uh, things in, in society and culture that we can have an impact on. Speak the truth in love. If you hear something about the, the, um, uh, the, you know, the abortion view that I just shared, that's a new kind of wave um, that's coming from churchgoers, we need to speak against that. We need to say, no, that's... We don't, we don't, uh, we're not going to kill little babies. Uh, and there are scriptural guidelines for confronta confrontation and conflict resolution, right? So develop ourselves. Be a mentor. Have a mentor. Um, teach a life group. Facilitate a group or something. Um, and the next is family. There are, I mentioned marriages. If yours is facing a challenge, get help. Get help quickly. Uh, we have resources. We'll be able to refer you to professionals. Get help. Um, I won't meddle in, you know, what the different roles are. My wife Lisa and I did a, a short series in February about marriage. And maybe you could look that up and it, it might help you. But get help. Do what you need to do to get help. Um, education. We need to restore biblical truth in the classroom and godly morality and thinking to the entire education system. And that needs to be done from the top. I don't know how you influence curriculum development and how, how uh, you know, teacher, or not teachers, but the union, how they think in different things. A lot of times it's dollars. But uh, there has to be a way that if we're at every level of all of, these, um, all of these areas, that we could have some kind of effect. Government, same thing. We need to be involved in every area of government and to instill the values that this country was founded on, right? Media, 
There are so many people that are uh, talented for TV, radio, um, all kinds of media, and of course, uh, you know, the hugely influential social media. Uh, and I'm not talking about just arguing with someone on social media. I did that one time and was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed how right I was and how wrong the other person was. <laughs> it was embarrassing. But encourage each other. We have all kinds of avenues to encourage each other and to cheer each other on and, and to be salt and light and let your works shine. Let people see them so that we, they, can glorify your Father in heaven. Arts and entertainment, um, you know, there's movies. Um, I think of the Kendrick Brothers production. That was just a, a group of guys, brothers and friends in a church in Georgia, and God put on their heart to have or to create movies. And they created some movies like, um, I don't know if all these are from them, but War Room, um, I Can Only Imagine, Facing the Giants, Fireproof Courageous, some of those were, uh, were made by those guys. And so I'm thinking, how many movies or how many different ideas has God planted in our hearts in this room? How could we have an effect on those kind of things. There's podcasts, YouTube channels, there's tons of other entertainment platforms, and then business. We operate in the free enterprise system. Uh, capitalism, right, is our, is our way of uh, doing business. Capitalism is a tremendous vehicle to build influence in the marketplace. Uh, a business can and should be run with biblical principles, uh, honesty and integrity, it's an incredible vehicle to build wealth so that we can send uh, people all around the world. Uh, the gospel is free, I was told one time by a very, very successful businessman that I was friends with. He said, the gospel is free. Um, Jesus paid the, paid the price, so he paid for it. It's free to us. It's a free gift. He said, the gospel is free, but it comes with a freight charge. And who's going to pay the freight charge? That's up to us. We need to step up and do that. So I'm going to close now. Um, those are some of my thoughts on where we're at and why and how we make changes in our culture. I'm just going to close with uh, two verses out of Esther. And uh, just very quick background on this situation. Um, Esther was a queen, right? And at this time... The Jews were in, or not isolation, but they were in captivity. Uh, they were ruled uh, by the Persians. And the king's, thank you, Curtis. The king's um, advisor, Haman, actually talked him into exterminating the, the Jews, all of them, wiping them out. They set a date. Uh, Haman made a decree. He got the signet ring from uh, the king, and it made it official. So Esther uh, was a Jewish gal, and she was picked to be queen. So she had, um, she had a conundrum because <clears throat> she wanted to go to the king and explain to him, no, you can't exterminate the Jews. They're my people. But she was not summoned to the king, and any time anyone went to the king's throne room without being summoned, they could be put to death unless the king raised his um, scepter. So she and Mordecai were talking back and forth through a messenger, and Mordecai was her cousin who raised her 
as her own or as his own. And he said this, and I'd really like us to think is, you know, how is Mordecai speaking to me specifically? How is he speaking to our church? How is he speaking to the church of, the, of America? He said, I'll say one more thing. Esther was saying to him, I don't think I'm going to do it. I'm not going in there. I'm scared. He'll probably, I'll probably be killed. Do you understand the weight of this? And so Mordecai sent the word back to her and he said, do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. And I really believe that this is God's fight against culture. God is going to fight for his people. But what effect do we have on ourselves if we don't get in the fight? What, what are we forfeiting? So God is going to save his people, Mordecai is saying. There will be deliverance from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows, he encourages her, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Why are we here? Is it such a time as this? Is the idea that God gave us in our heart for such a time as this? Can we actually follow through with his will and make effect, make change, and improve things? I believe we can. I really do. So I'm excited. I'm excited about what's going to happen. I believe, uh, um, I mean, the, the church is faced with a lot. I think some in the church are going to go forward. Some are going to withdraw. I believe there might even be a chasm between believers, the ones that God can use on the battlefield and the ones that might need a little more encouragement or a little more growth. They're not bad. But God is looking for soldiers. God is looking for people willing to do things for him. So the worship team's up here. You can stand with me, please. We'll close. <clears throat> and I just want to encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with the truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you don't have a relationship with the truth, good luck. We, we really don't stand a chance without it. Um, culture will get us. The enemy will get us. We need to, we need to be part of the flock. So we're going to pray. And if you want that relationship with him, if that's your desire, you can pray and invite him into your heart. So you only need to pray this one time, but we'll pray with you. And we'll pray corporately. So if that's the desire of your heart, just put your hand on your heart and let's pray together. Let's bow and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Heavenly Father, I give you my life and I ask you to take it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive right now your free gift of salvation. And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.